In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came and he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child will be born, will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her, who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. This is a story of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Nothing shall be impossible for God except maybe lighting this candle of joy. Give it one last shot. I'm going to light it, but maybe I have to preach first. I graduated from seminary in 1997, and in that year, I took my first job working here at the church. Um, I was six months into my new job when someone approached me and asked, would you and Keith play Mary and Joseph in the live nativity this year? And my first thought was, what an honor. And so the big night came, and Keith and I took our place on the cave stage, which is usually located right out here on Bassey Road across from the Quarry Marketplace. And we were handed an actual live baby. Her name was Emily. Emily must be about 24 years old now. <laughs> and the story began. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. What I didn't know at the time is that the live nativity show repeats several times, about six to eight, and it runs for hours, and Mary and Joseph never leave their spot. Keith and I were captives. We were put up on a stage that we never left, and we were kept from the holiday buffet, and we were tricked into babysitting. <laughs> The great honor was, in fact, a trap. It was a burden. So 
funny. Those are exactly the two words, the two filters I often put on Mary, the mother of Jesus. Honored or burdened. I am much helped by Amy Jill Levine. She is a New Testament and Jewish studies professors, professor at Vanderbilt Divinity School. And she's written a recent book. It was out in 2019 called Light of the World. And this book is helping me to take a second deeper look at Mary, the mother of Jesus. The scripture story that I read from Luke chapter 1 fits into a particular category, a particular type, a particular genre. It is an annunciation story. And it's not the only annunciation story in the Bible. Levine says, think television. There are different types of television shows, like late night talk shows, medical dramas, game shows, and annunciation stories are simply one kind of biblical story. They have some common features. An angel comes to announce the birth. Something about the future role of the child is revealed and many times a sign is given. You might remember that Hagar, an Egyptian slave in Genesis, encounters an angel who tells her that God will protect her and her son. And an angel appears to Abraham, and Sarah overhears, and the angel says that they will have a child even though they are advanced in years. And in Luke's gospel, this angel Gabriel just appeared to Zechariah, a priest serving in the Jerusalem temple, and the angel Gabriel tells Zechariah about the birth of John the Baptist. Gabriel's announcement to Mary is not the first, and it's not the only annunciation in the Bible. And you know what? I believe it is also not the last. Because God is always, always finding places to birth and grow redeeming love. I want you to hear this morning that Mary's story can be our story too, because God is always looking for places to birth and grow redeeming love. Mary is young. She's maybe 14 or 15 years old. She's completely inexperienced in life and love. She's Jewish, living under the thumb of the Roman Empire in a small town of small regard in southern Galilee. Nazareth is, a, is of such small regard that if Luke didn't tell the reader that Nazareth was in Galilee, we wouldn't know. Nazareth is just a small village, 100 people, maybe 200, and it's mentioned for the first time in the Bible right here in this passage. The setting and this girl's background, Mary's background, are of absolutely no consequence. And so it's a reasonable conclusion to think that the town and the girl have been overlooked by many up to this point in time. It appears that Mary has no power, and yet the angel Gabriel addresses Mary as the favored one and then repeats this idea when saying to Mary, Mary, you have found favor with God. But we are never 
hold? What prompts this favor? Amy Jill Levine has a couple of interesting theories. She said it could have been that Mary helped her mother with the laundry, or it could have been that she did well in school, or maybe she had a beautiful singing voice, or maybe she prayed a lot, or maybe she was pretty. The fact is we simply do not know. We are not told why Mary receives divine attention, and the truth of the matter is that God can and does favor whomever God wants to. And nothing about their appearance or their achievements or their behavior is a signal to the rest of us of the likelihood of divine attention. We actually can't see it from the outside, favor. It might be safer to assume that angels are in conversation with every person that we meet, huh? Bishop Desmond Tutu says that anytime the doorbell rings or there's a knock at his door, he makes the sign of the cross before opening the door, meaning let them be blessed. And if they are in desperate need of anything, let me bring to them the compassion that they need. Let me bring to them the oxygen that you would have them breathe. Mary's name is a clue to us. It's not a clue to us of her status, but it's a clue to us of her courage that she won't run from or ignore God's call. You see, Mary's name is a variation of Miriam. The way you say Mary in the Old Testament in the Hebrew Bible is Miriam. And Miriam is the clever and courageous sister of Moses. She cares for her family. She knows how to protect. She knows how to negotiate. And she's also a poet, singing to the Lord on the banks of the Red Sea, thanking God for freedom from slavery, thanking God for victory, and praising God for making a way. Because we know Miriam when we read this story and we are introduced to Mary, we should think, ah, this one is clever. She probably has some courage. And I bet she knows how to celebrate what needs to be celebrated. The scenario that Gabriel brings to Mary is not without risk or cost to her. The fact of the matter is that Mary risks everything she has. The only thing she has in the world, the only credential she has to show is betrothal, which is more than an engagement. The relationship and a betrothal between two families is set. The responsibility is cemented, and this betrothal is Mary's security. And she will risk her own security for God's plan, a plan that means security for everyone, for all people. The plan is an anointed king who will have compassionate leadership, and that leadership, that guidance, will be established forever for all people. Mary does ask one question. She asks, how can this be? This is not a logistical question. Don't let the logistics of the matter trip you up here. The answer is important to Luke, and it's important to Luke's readers. The answer here is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the energy, is the force, the power through much of this gospel of Luke and of Acts. The Holy Spirit is the breath and the energy through all of the Bible. And the Holy Spirit still powers much change for good in our world 
today. This makes Mary and you and me agents, agents of possibility because nothing is impossible with God. The covenantal restoration class this fall pointed me to the work of a man named Brian Stevenson. And if you don't know of Brian Stevenson, I would recommend to you the movie Just Mercy and the book that is also titled Just Mercy. It's an excellent introduction to his work. Stevenson recently spoke at Harvard Law School, of which he's a graduate, and he gave them some good advice on embracing the things in our world that are redemptive. He said two things, stay proximate, which means stay close to what's important, and also be willing to do things that are uncomfortable. Make a commitment to do things that are inconvenient and uncomfortable. Some of Stevenson's best stories, I think, involve his grandmother, whom he called Mama. Mama is the person that he credits with giving him the foundation to stay close and to be courageous. When Brian was about 10 years old, integration came to his school, and it was about this time in his life that he said when he would see his grandmother, she would hug him. And she would not hug him lightly, but she would grip him tight, almost too tight, he said. And later she would ask him, Brian, do you still feel me hugging you? And if he said no, well, she would hug him, she would grip him again. And so he learned to say, yes, yes, mama, I still feel you hugging me. <laughs> but he also learned, maybe more importantly, that she intended to bring love and acceptance to his awareness favor. In fact, her very last words to him as she was dying were, Brian, I'm always going to be hugging you. Angels, grandmothers, who can tell the difference? They are the messengers of God's invitation, God's call to us. And their embrace allows us, like Mary, to say, here am I, which might be better translated, look at me. Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Look at me. I have the courage to take a risk for God. Mary said it, and you and I can say it too. Will you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit, we want to be a place where redeeming love lives and grows. May the force of your breath, power, compassion in our hearts, and courage in our souls. May we sing as your favored ones, celebrating how you always make a way, your good provision and your wise guidance. Amen. My soul sings out to the Lord. My heart exclaims the work of God, my deliverer. 
for God has seen the status of God's lowly servant. And rightly, from this time forward, all the generations will see that I was blessed. For the Great One has done magnificent things through me. And I call upon the mystery of God's name. God's mercy is for those who honor God from generation to generation. God has shown the hand of justice by scattering the proud, humbling their haughty thoughts. God has brought down the powerful from their high places and lifted up all the lowly. God has filled the hungry with God's plenty and sent away the wealthy with empty hands. God has helped God's servant, Israel, to remember God's rich mercy. In accordance to the covenant made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his children 